The best thing about being your own boss is that there's nobody telling you what to do. <laughs> the worst thing. <laughs> the worst thing about being your own boss is there's nobody telling you what to do. Yeah, and you have to manufacture accountability that no one's making you do it. Like, you have to be your own taskmaster. Totally. For the last couple of months, I've been having a bit of a sabbatical and spending a lot of time just thinking. And I was thinking, in the world of solo pros, so people who run a single-person business like you and I do, what is the most reliable indicator or what's the word i'm after predictor of success yeah what are the things that most predict the likelihood of a success and there's some obvious stuff like be really good at your thing <laughs> well the people who do well are the people with a bias to action yes so taking action is the most important thing it doesn't have to be perfect but if you're moving you can evolve get feedback progress totally so what you need is some way to take action it exactly. might come internally <laughs> Or it might not. Yeah, exactly. And so I was thinking, what are the biggest indicators of success? And one of the highest is, did that person surround themselves with three, four, five other people on a similar journey to create a little crew that held each other accountable and supported each other and encouraged each other and just went on the journey together? Can you find your five people and it doesn't have to be five, it can be any number, but around that size is good. Because more often than not, like a greater than 50% of the time, easily, people who had a good five succeed. They would get to amazing places and do amazing things. Do you think it's correlation or causation? Like are the kind of people who know that they need that the kind of people who would have succeeded anyway? Or is it the presence of the people that causes the success? I think yes and. Yeah. The type of people who proactively go and find their five are proactive people, so they have a bias for action. And also, once they've found their five, when they're at a low ebb, there's someone there to give them encouragement or support or just tell them what to do that day. And also provide someone that they can give advice and encouragement to. There are a lot of loud cockatoos today. <laughs> they are having a time. There, yeah, there's something about the joy of teaching and... <laughs> All right, we get it. <laughs> The perimeter of squawking cockatoos. <laughs> One of the joys of having an accountability group is that you get to provide energy to it. So instead of you being the one that needs help or accountability, you get to provide it for others. And the older I get and the more work I do, the more that's where joy comes from. Totally. So there's a transition as you get older where contribution becomes more meaningful and fun than your own individual achievement. And even if you are someone who likes working by themselves, which I really do, which is bizarre. I love people. I'm very extroverted. I love being part of a team. I'm working for myself. And the joy that comes from being invested in other people's success is often the thing that's more likely to give me momentum. I've noticed I'm not self-motivated really at all. <laughs> Neither. Yeah. <laughs> how do we end up here? I well, here's how, I think. So you would remember that maybe four or five years out of high school, I started a thing at my house called Monday Meetings. And it was my kind of three, four, five best high school mates. And all of us had started our own businesses. And we would come to my house every Monday and I would essentially convene a group. And I was definitely the leader of it, but we were all mentoring each other. I remember being quite jealous of it, actually. <laughs> I remember popping in one day and there were just five men 
who were all keenly invested in each other's success and making no apology about wanting help or providing help, and me at the time sort of being averse to that kind of environment, but going, (laughs) Well, so one of the things that I think that experience did for me was I was motivated to succeed in order to have the credibility to give the others good advice. It would be somewhat hypocritical or feel a little bit weird to be dispensing all this advice but failing to live up to any of it myself. And so Lisa O'Neill posted a line which I love which was, here take my advice, I'm not using it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly and I could be chronic for that but I think when I find myself in my right five then suddenly I'm super, super motivated because I don't want to be a hypocrite or Well, there's an authenticity to giving advice that you have demonstrated works. 100%. So if someone says, how did you, what would you recommend I do here? If you can draw on your own experience, that's when you've got your mentor hat saying, well, here's what worked for me and here's how I can help you. Yeah. And being invested in other people's evolution and growth is also a great way to be accountable to your own. Like, that's what it does. It forces you to be living the thing you're teaching. Yeah. And that doesn't preclude you from, like, we've talked before about how often you're going to be giving advice about something that you actually struggle with a bit yourself. So, like, well, I've any been... advice is usually nostalgia. You're talking to yourself five years ago. Like, most of the source of your information. Yeah, is your own struggles. Is your own struggle and what you'd be telling yourself five years ago. Exactly. So... And so, I wouldn't want people to think that they can only give advice about things that they've totally succeeded in. Like, I think. Some of the best advice comes from someone who's not necessarily standing on the mount giving the sermon about here's how you get here, but someone who's right next to you climbing the same mountain at the same time, pointing out what they're noticing as they're doing it. So I've heard this great comparison for ways to give advice, and it's the first time mountain climber, the Sherpa, and the sage on top of the mountain. Yeah. And you, if you're intentional about which one you are, that completely changes how you give the advice. Yeah. So are you being a cheerleader on the same journey where you don't really know what they should do, but you're just there for them? Yeah. Can you be the Sherpa where you've done it 10 times? You're like, oh, here's what works for me. Or you're like, I've done my 10,000 hours. Like, here's my advice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a super useful model. I think what happens in an accountability group with the right people in it is that they are able to probably cover those three angles. And have the self-awareness especially to know when you're not delivering the sermon from the mount. (laughs) Like, I think we've all been lectured to by someone who thinks they're delivering the sermon but who we don't really believe that they know what they're talking about and that that just feels icky. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's not nice at all. And I think the value of the accountability group is that you get to be someone's help when they need it and they can be yours. And that is usually what you need. (laughs) Like, you often don't need advice. You know what you should be doing. Totally. You might need a bit of guidance here and there, but mainly it's so you actually take action. Uh, I met Michael Port, the guy that wrote Book Yourself Solid, and his favourite piece of personal development advice is, do you know what to do? Yes or no? Are you doing it? (laughs) Yes or no? He's like, rarely is the first one the issue. It's almost always the second. Yeah, and that's where your five, the five people, can help.